0: Okay, great. We're recording. Oh, wonderful. Oh, we didn't say who was going to say what. Oh, um, why don't you welcome us back? I will, and you can do the theme. That okay. sounds great. Yep. Wonderful. 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 Okay. Are we ready? Should I, I should get more wine. No, no. Well, unless you, if you want more wine to start, then your episode of Smile, You Love Us, a podcast where we discuss the wide world of teen movies what they mean to us and their impact on pop culture as a whole. It is good to be back. I'm it's really good to be back. I'm Erin. and we're just we're thrilled. really happy to be back on it this. It was a long long summer. <laughs> Should we can we give an update on what happened this summer? Oh, uh well, I got married. I got married in a surprise overseas wedding. No, it was not in a Ireland. surprise to you though. Uh I mean I mean a little bit. There the fact that we pulled it off was a kind of a surprise. So, <laughs> needless to say, my August was a little busy, Yeah. Um, and but now we're back to school, we've got some great movies to talk about, mm-hmm. about today, I'm psyched, I'm so happy. We're fully back to school, I'm Erin, uh, I walked my dog yesterday through an entire uh, fire alarm drill of a public middle school, which was just filled with children, and I was like, oh, we are back to school. It would be weird if the middle school was filled with not children. There were a lot of teachers, like a lot more teachers than I remember being in my middle school, but it must, it must be a good parent, like teacher-child ratio. Yeah, it's Perk Slow, of course it's a great... Anyways, anyway. today we're here to not really talk about school no. at all, but a little bit about what happens at school. I yeah. Guess. We're covering three of what I consider to be cult classics. Interesting. Okay. Heather's... Yes. Girl Intentions. Yes. And Mean Girls. I do not think Mean Girls is a cult classic, but... I mean, I think this is a classic case of you being a little bit older than me. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Ariana Grande made a fucking music video about it. How cult can it be? Oh. Like, so it's a mainstream classic? Yeah. Oh, okay. Alright, then I'm happy to call it a mainstream classic. Okay. Um, we consider all these to be a little bit canon, teen movie canon. Yes. Anyways, what they all have in common is the presence of some very big bitches, or actually teeny bitches, teeny tiny women. With big bitchin' personalities. Big bitchin' personalities. We've got a Heather, and a Heather, and a Veronica, and a Catherine, and a Regina George, and ultimately, a Katie Heron. I love that Regina George, you have to say both of them. It would be impossible to call her say Regina. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Truly impossible. Uh, We'll kick it off with Heathers, in chronological order, per uge. So, Michael Lehman's, Lehman's, I'm not quite sure how to say his name, 1988, Heathers charts the dark overthrow, emphasis on dark, Mm -hmm. of a group of popular girls, all named Heather, uh, by a a 16-year-old, Winona Ryder, who is their friend, Veronica. Veronica, jaded and over her friends, falls for Christian Slater's J.D., who's a mysterious outsider. Um, She's a smartass in the beginning, a sociopath at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, As the Heathers meet their social and then satirically murderous demise, Veronica finds out about J.D. being a little bit of a sociopath and also that school dynamics are ever-present no matter who's at the head of a clique. This is truly a breakout role for Winona, Winona as an 80s queen, uh, coming off after her role in Beetlejuice, her agents told her she shouldn't take it, and she was very much like, don't get in my way, I'm doing this movie. Amazing. Uh, also, a pre-90210, Shannon Doherty is in the film as one of the Heathers, and in the film, like, when it was in theaters, Tori Spelling saw it and told her dad to cast her in uh, 90210. Oh, that's so cool. I know. I love as that. It's such a Tori Spelling, like, Absolutely. cast her! Yeah. Daddy... I mean Tori Spelling. No, she, she had a great eye. Then, she yeah. had was awesome on that. Too. Um, it is an exceptionally stylized '80s movie, and very much in contrast to a John Hughes '80s movie. So it's like, it's almost on the Tim Burton totally. spectrum. Yeah.
1: It's not, but that it is. Lot. But the
0: mm-hmm. set, like these huge set pieces. Yeah, it was like Wes Anderson. Does John Hughes, but more macabre. I guess. Yeah, really macabre. Like uh, most of the big set pieces are at funerals. Yes, yes. Um, it it is. It is Tim Burtony. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. And um, there been there was a TV reboot of this. There was a musical of it, an off Broadway musical of it. There was a series of it um, that they were going to release, like pretty recently on Netflix, right? Uh, uh I think on Paramount Network. It wasn't on Netflix. I don't think it was Netflix. Interesting. Well, it looked terrible. It looked bad, and then they pulled it because of all of the sh- school shooting content, which I just feel kind of insane that, that they got that far along without having yes. refigured that, reconfigured yeah. that, or having put it in, in an appropriate place. So, um, last kind of fun fact, and I feel like a lot of people know Heathers, Yeah. when I rewatched it, there really wasn't anything more to it than I remember. Like, it was a little bit funnier than I remember. Yeah. There's some other things I remembered, but for the most part, like, the plot that I just surmised is it. Is it, like, yeah. And um, the last fun fact is Brad Pitt was considered, like, highly considered for the role of J.D. That would have never worked. No. Like, never ever. No, or, and, or Brad Pitt would not have become who he is. I mean, that would have changed... Yes. If Brad Pitt was po- able to be JD, he would not be Brad Pitt. Right. I had the I have the honor and the privilege to introduce our second film, Cruel Intentions, which is a nineteen ninety-nine film based on the French novel Les liaisons dangereuses, uh, and it's also a remake of Dangerous Liaisons, which if you haven't seen Dangerous Liaisons, might I highly I recommend haven't. Glenn Close, John Malkovich, Wild Stuff. I'll have to watch it. It is it's great, and Glenn Close is amazing, and John Malkovich. It, it, anyway, this is not a uh, French remake films <laughs> podcast, but I'm just saying. I thought a lot about that movie. Can while you I was class it Girl down Intentions. a little bit, Blythe? Sorry. <laughs> so, Cruel Intentions is set in modern day Manhattan, and or 1999 Manhattan, and it follows the <laughs> sordid lives and love affairs of one of America's favorite obsessions, which is rich New York City prep school kids. Ryan Philippi and Sarah Michelle Gellar play step-siblings, Sebastian and Catherine, who are both these rich, stylish, manipulative teens and the most popular people in their prep school. Catherine's popular because she's beautiful and terrifying. And Sebastian is popular because he's handsome and he's had the most impressive number of sexual partners. That's what he's known for. He's just this, like, cad- I don't know. He's not a romance guy. He's just like a love him and leave him type. But totally. That's his reputation. And he gets a lot of, you know, school cred for it because he's a man. And that really bothers Catherine. Because she sleeps around too, but then she has to hide it because she doesn't want to be labeled the slut. Yeah. So Sebastian and Catherine um, both have a plan for the summer. So despite her popularity, Catherine has been dumped by her boyfriend, Court Reynolds, who she finds out is now dating this innocent ingenue, Cecile, who is played by Selma Blair. And to get revenge on court and Cecile, Catherine concocts this plan to embarrass them both by making Cecile into, as Catherine puts it, the premier tramp of the <laughs> Upper East Side. She asks Sebastian, naturally, for help to seduce her, but he declines. He says Cecile is not a challenge for him, and he says he has his sights set on a different girl this summer talking about Annette, who is played by Reese Witherspoon. And he's interested in her because not only is she the new headmaster's daughter, but she recently published a manifesto about her virginity in Seventeen Magazine titled Why I Plan to Wait. And Sebastian sees this as the ultimate conquest. If He can sleep with a headmaster's daughter who's a virgin, a published virgin. (laughs) Before school starts, he's like, my reputation will be cemented for the, you know, no one will beat Pat. So Catherine is doubtful of, of this possibility, and she makes a wager: if he sleeps with the net, she will sleep with him. Gross. Uh, they <laughs> siblings. So it bothers gross. me. Um, but if he fails, she gets his car. It's like a beautiful, beautiful, awesome car that no one would actually drive on New York City streets. <laughs> uh, I have some things <laughs> to say about that later. Sebastian gleefully accepts, and the game is afoot. So Catherine befriends a clueless Cecile and encourages her to sleep with as many guys as possible, including Sebastian, so she can impress her music teacher, Ronald, who she has fallen in love with. Cecile has has fallen for her music teacher, even though she's still dating Court Reynolds. She's very taken with uh, Ronald, who is played by Sean Patrick Thomas of Save the Last Dance fame. This horrifies her mother, played by the brilliant Christine Baranski, um, for obvious reasons, like he's black, so that bothers her. He's not rich. He's not in like society. He's an art, artist. He's an artist. Yeah, he's a cello player. There was a great line from Christine Baranski where he's like, "You hate me because I'm black," and she's like, "What? I gave money to Colin Powell." An amazing line, which is hilarious because on so many levels. First it's of all, a, it's so hilarious in 2019. Also, Colin Powell never ran for any public office, so he couldn't solicit donations. So strange. <laughs> It's, like, very clear that Lion was meant to show that she's neither <laughs> Not neither woke nor awake. <laughs> like, she is just a total clueless. Anyway, but she plays this role so well. I, we love where are had. Huge Varensky So, while Cecile is doing her thing and corrupting... Or, sorry, while Catherine is doing her thing and corrupting Cecile, Sebastian is succeeding in seducing Annette. However... When, by the point that they are sleeping t- together, they are actually deeply in love, and Sebastian no longer cares about the bet with Catherine. He's all in on her, She's yeah. All in on him. So things quickly become to begin to unravel because Catherine kind of realizes she doesn't have the power that she thought she did. Like Cecile and Sebastian are both in love; they don't need her. No man wants to be with her, and she's fucking miserable. So she puts a plan in motion that will end. Sebastian and Cecile, Um, she convinces Sebastian to break things off the net, and then after he tries to win her back, uh, Ronald gets into the picture, and spoiler alert, he ends up killing Sebastian because Catherine has convinced him that he slept with Cecile and hurt her, and so Ronald freaks out because he's in love with Cecile. And after Sebastian's death, and that publishes the contents of his journal. He's been keeping this diary for, you know, for however long, which exposes Catherine as her, shows her true colors. She's this bulimic, cokehead sociopath. And uh, based on those diary entries, she is promptly removed from school grounds. And it's great. Mm-hmm. The movie is actually surprisingly very close to the novel. Um, oh, its plot, Which is interesting. The only difference is that there are a couple... Important differences: um, Annette actually is heartbroken and has to leave, and like basically like dies of a broken heart. Oh, yeah. Um, Catherine uh, is exiled to the country and dies of smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> and Cecile returns to the monastery where she was, uh, mm. or the convent where she was plucked from.
1: Yeah, Interesting. So. There's a lot more like
0: disease in the French novel, but that makes sense. Yep. It was a lot France of sense. It was 18th century. Now we're going to talk about a movie that um, I loved, I love, and I would say that every woman who, well, save for a handful, every woman who graduated my high school um, within a a two year span of me, my junior class and the class above us, has an extremely personal connection to this movie. Erin has been like teasing me with this story for weeks, and I'm... I'm going to lose it. I can't. I, I need to hear it. I'm a little concerned that I'm going to be able to tell it in a way that we will be able to put in the podcast because I usually laugh so hard I cry when I tell it. I cannot wait. Okay. <laughs> so, I told Butterfly before we started recording that I had butterflies of excitement to tell her. I just can't even imagine. Sometimes like, my sister calls me when she's at parties to make sure that she gets the details correct to retell other people and she wasn't even there. Do we even need the plot of Mean Girls? No. Everyone's seen it, right? Yeah. we're going to go through it. So, Mean Girls came out in 2004, which was peak odds timing, and is arguably the only truly great teen movie of that era that isn't a rom-com, I think. I think. I like this theory. So, Tina Fey wrote the screenplay based on a non-fiction, quote-unquote, survival guide about the true horrors of female dynamics in high school, queen bees and teenage wannabes. did uh, Did you read it? No. Oh, I read it. You read everything you've read everything. <laughs> Blythe has read all the source material of today's episode. I I don't I'm not proud of it. I def- I was like obsessed with girl clicks um, for I don't know what reason. You were say. 18 when this movie came out. Yeah, I, I read this book. It's it's actually more of like a parental guide mm-hmm. than it is. So the fact that I was reading it is not good. You were reading it like a freshman in college. Yeah, I was like ooh. So for the plot of Mean Girls. For those of you who haven't seen it, Lindsay Lohan plays Katie Heron, who moves from Africa where she was homeschooled by her parents. Anna Geysitter plays her mother, which I just absolutely love. Oh, yeah. Um, Anna Gasteyer. Gasteyer. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Um, To suburban Chicago, and she enrolls in her junior year of high school. She then meets Janice, who's played brilliantly by Lizzie Kaplan and Damien, who is a sense underutilized in my opinion, Daniel Frances. Yes, I would like to see a movie with just the two of them. But that's, Yeah, totally yeah. great. <clears throat> they befriend her with an attempt to show her the ins and outs of school. So as the new girl and looking like Lindsay Lohan, she also catches the attention of the quote-unquote plastics. An unbelievably conniving Regina George, who's like the queen bee, the gossipy and dumb, but mostly gossipy, Gretchen Wieners, and then the du- the very dumbest, Karen Smith, Um, Gretchen is played by Lacey Chabert, who I was not familiar with prior to this movie, and then I became a Party 5 fan thereafter. Oh, Party 5. And then Amanda Seyfried, who has since gone on to be a very well-known actress. I think Amanda Seyfried is one of the most beautiful women alive. She just has the face of an angel. 100%. She's flawless. She never wears makeup in real life, and you just, like, see photos of her, and you're like, that's not fair. So... They decide that they want to take down the plastics from the inside because they're the worst, and it proves a little complicated once Katie starts slowly becoming one of them, and using their own tactics in the ultimate showdown of passive aggressive backstabbing, um, and in their own terms, what they called psychological warfare. So the film comes head to head, comes to a head in a frantic. I'm sorry, I can't read. The film comes head-to-head in a fantastic scene where the principal, who's played by Tim Meadows, and the math teacher, Tina Fey, lead a confrontational crisis management assembly. And we will get to that later. I'm also remiss not to mention Amy Poehler plays uh, Regina's quote-unquote cool mom. She's only eight years older than uh, Rachel Adams when she plays it. It grossed $130 million worldwide, which is a lot for a teen movie? Yeah, I remember this being a huge success. They were, I, like, I, on Oprah. I saw it in theaters. Like, I oh, was, yeah. I saw it in the theaters multiple times. Because you would go with one group of friends, and then they'd be like, oh, Southampton hasn't seen it, do you want to go again on Friday? And you would go again. Like, it was really, really good. I was also 14 when it came out. I Yeah, okay. I keep forget. I was 14 yes, when this movie came out. That must have been extremely... It must have spoken to you in perhaps a way it didn't necessarily speak to me. Well, yes and no. I wanted to emulate all of Lindsay Lohan's outfits. Right. Kill me. Right. Um, So I had like I wrote in my notes like I have extremely distinct memories of reading like huge magazine pieces like Entertainment Weekly, TV Guide Magazine. Like, oh yeah. But, like, they would have these huge profiles of all the girls and talk about following on set because yeah. Lindsay Lohan was such a big deal and everyone yes. else really wasn't. Even like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler like were just SNL people and no one had really made the jump from FNL to like movies since Will Ferrell, and now obviously, I'm. Another thing is is like I just, it's hilarious to watch this back now, knowing Tina Fey and Amy Poehler's like body of work since, and look at this like perfect movie that they made for yeah. themselves and yeah. as a gift to the world. Um, initially Lindsay Lohan was cast or auditioned. It's not quite clear. For Regina, but she decided to play Katie so that the public wouldn't, like, base her real personality on Regina's George's. That is some <coughs> like deep PR level shit. That, oh, like, totally. You wouldn't. But she was like seventeen. So. Sure, and she was had a hot career, and yeah. this was like, yeah, she wanted yeah. to be the nice girl. And um, then Rachel crazy. McAdams was chosen to play, um, the mean girl because only nice girls can play mean girls, which is what one of the producers said. Glenn Coco. Like, you go, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. Four for you, Glenn Coco, you go, Glenn Coco, is my favorite line from this movie. And it, then it gets me every single time. And not and for then Gretchen for, Wieners. It's, It is a perfect line. <laughs> um, uh, Glenn Coco is a real person. I love that. I did not know that. That's amazing. And then uh, Damien is also a friend. Of Four a for film. you, Glenn Coco. You go, <coughs> Glenn Coco. And not for Gretchen And not for Gretchen um, the director, Mark Waters, also directed Lindsay Lohan in Freaky Friday. He's done a lot of weird movies. <coughs> but he also directed, uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. in the movie Head Over Heels. Is that the one with Julia Stiles? Pot- oh, no, Monica Potter. Oh, what's the Julia Stiles one? Down to You. Down to You. I never saw Head Over Heels. It's fun. It's It's, a, fun. it's set in San Francisco. Cool. Um, and they, like, filmed it there back and you could, like, do stuff like that. Right. All right. I want to take a quick break. Okay. What did you think about this movie, these movies, all three of them on rewatch? So Heather's, I was excited to rewatch because I hadn't seen it in a very long time. And I think you and I had a similar reaction. I forgot how funny it is. It's really funny. I was cracking up, like, the whole time. Yeah. The scene where they're at the funeral for Heather and she's they're all talking to god and they all are like that hysterical. hysterical the uh i love my dead gay son when they're in the casket wearing their football uniforms amazing. and their helmets the helmets. I, the helmets the like choices that they make that are so absurd but completely grounded in this rea- it was a, it's an amazing film it's a great teen drama i think Winona on a rider is Does not get enough credit for For how how good of an is. and how good of a community actress she is. So her boy, I mean, and she was 16 when she was in this movie? Which is crazy because she acts with such confidence. I I was like, oh, she's probably 25. And she's making fun of teenagers. Yes. I did not have the self-awareness to think that. But all her journal entries are absolutely so... Where she's like, my teenage angst now has a body count. Yes. Or, like, when she's like, dear diary, this is horrible, and it's, like, hilarious. She just, like, doesn't, and, I mean, it's great writing, but she doesn't miss a beat. Like, there's everything about everything she does is so believable up until, including the climax, which is, like, quite, it's, like, die hard. Yes. And then she, the way that she just, like, lights the cigarette at the end. Yeah. Is like, she's, like, an action star. She's, like, a dramatic actress. She's a comedian. She really has this incredible range. And I recently watched Destination Wedding. You know, that's been on my list. And I was, I was really happy that I watched them, like, close together because it reminded me that she is a wonder with words. Like, she just has a way of delivering lines. That she's just... I don't know. I feel like... Maybe I'm wrong. that like People don't give her enough credit. Maybe she gets plenty of credit. No, I don't but think I feel people like give her enough credit. I think that her personal life kind of drew focus for a while. Yeah, that's probably true. But I, I just... I love this movie. I'm so glad I, I rewatched it as a proper adult. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I maybe watched it in college. Yeah. I think I saw it in my early 20s. And I, like, thought it was funny. Yeah. It was. It was like pretty fun to rewatch and I'll probably rewatch it again in a few years. Yeah. Um there's so so many like pop culture jargon quotes from this like fuck me gentlemen, with a chainsaw or like um Oh fuck, no, I can't remember the one where she's like lick it up baby. Yeah. Lick yes. it. Up. Lick it up. Um yeah, it was great. And just the idea that you the like the just that first line about how, like, they're all named Heather, even if they're not all named Heather. It's just such a fucking girl thing to do, mm-hmm. and, like, such a small choice, but that is so reflective of, like, on Wednesdays we wear pink. Like, it yep. was the first, the like, we're clo- like, we're going to be clones of each other because that's how you survive, like, this high school, whatever. I mean, it's awesome. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Um, Okay. Cruel Intentions, I know you have a lot to say about Cruel Intentions. This movie, let's see, 1999, I de- it definitely came out when I was in high or middle school. This is school. right around your Romeo and Juliet era. Yeah, too. so like middle school, like going into high school. So like all of my friends obviously were very obsessed with Romeo and Juliet, Titanic, like... But we loved Cruel Intentions. We felt so adult watching this film. This was oh, yeah. such a... Like, we're sophisticated, we understand, like, we didn't get any of the references, but we totally pretended like we did. I'm pretty sure, like, I didn't even totally understand some of the, like, times when they're actually having sex, or, like, having sexual... Re- like, I I don't think at my tender age, I realized that, like... That, like, registered that was what was yeah. happening. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. But... Obviously, like uh, the more I watched it, and the only, and I watched it many, many times over my thirty-three years on this earth. Uh, I've since figured it out, but oh, good <laughs> I re- Thank you. I'm a married woman now. I know these things. <laughs> but rewatching it now, thinking about how much I watched it when I was younger, I, am just, I'm just so taken by like how messed up it is That's me and my friends watched it so much. <laughs> because it has a lot of problematic scenes. It's not in some ways it's like very ahead of its time. Um, I liked the discussion of power dynamics of men and women. I liked like there are some very openly gay characters that are not just there to be a sidekick or there to be humorous. Like they're they're not fully fleshed out characters, but they're not like stereotypical, like Well, I mean they cast Joshua Jackson as a gay man. Yes. Which is quite the casting choice. As a gay man with bleached hair who's also a part-time weed dealer and is maybe my favorite character. Oh yeah. He's super dynamic. The fact that he's only on screen for like 30 seconds doesn't matter. He does so much in those 30 seconds and was, I, I loved it. Like I even remember watching it when I was younger being like, it's so nice to see Pacey Witter in a Non hetero, like super hetero role, mm-hmm. you know, because he was like Mr. Dawson's create play. And he's very clever in this, too. I he's very I don't want clever. To say clever in this, except for too. You know. Yeah. And his characters are so good. Anyway, I was very both happy re watching this movie and like very troubled. <laughs> troubled. <laughs> but I will say, I think it's very smart. Like, it's actually reminds me a lot of Dangerous Liaisons, which I obviously didn't watch until I was much older. Like, even the setting is the same, because you're going, they're, they're in these, like, beautiful French castles, but the inside of a chic Manhattan Upper East Side apartment can look, have the same furniture. Or, like, a furniture. state yeah, yeah. Has the same look. So, like, they do a good job of, I don't know, making, like, taking you out of... Putting you in a bit of a fantasy land. Yes. I'm I'm watching Secession right now. I'm a little late to the boat on that. And this has an interest... I mean, it's an interest... It's occupying the same world very, very much. Yeah. So, so it's both, uh, like, very 90s and also, like, could be, like, a Downton Abbey. Like, it's, you oh, know, yeah. they have, like, skeet shooting and horseback riding and huge estates and... What has that, that escapism of the rich... Yeah. These are rich people problems. I do remember I was not as into Ryan Phillippe as the rest of my friends. Same. And they were very into him. And i just like, no, I never got it. I was it's just too much of, of a like, baby face Exactly. He's, he's just like, and he's too pouty. And I think he's kind of lame in this movie. Like, I'm like, why were so many people, women sleeping with him? Okay. Like, he's like a pouty little brat. Like, he's, you think he's a good flirt. I think he's terrible at flirting. I think he's a good flirt. Oh no. But I like, but I thought he was very funny, and I thought he had some great lines, and I thought him and Catherine were a really incredible duo. Yeah. And I he, liked watching them on screen. And Rachel Whitishman got married after they were in this movie. Yeah. Like Which all, that was like, that was like, why, why magazine, why a magazine fodder for like five years. Oh yeah. And now all I can think about is the fact that they have a daughter together, and that she's- And in her, a son. And she, well, I'm more focused on the daughter because- because she's now a teen herself. So is Deacon, their son. Okay. But he and Reese go on fly fishing trips every summer. That's adorable. Yeah, I know. Okay, but let's assume Ava, is that her name? Ava is a teen girl, like we were teen girls, and is into teen girl movies. She could watch this film. She, her friends have. Has she? I just want to know, has she watched this movie? Does that freak her out? I don't know. I just, I can't imagine being like, those are my parents. <laughs> I think, I think you kind of have to sit this one out. I think it's like fine to watch your parents and other things with other people and know that they're actors, but it's like a little weird to like watch them get watch it on and know that, like that how they movie that made them fall in love. Mm-hmm. So it's wild. Their daughter's beautiful and looks exactly like both of them. It's crazy. Yeah, you've never seen that like article that's like Reese Witherspoon just produces clones? Oh, I don't know what their son looks like. He looks just like Ryan Phillippe, and then her other son. her leg, have... she, no, no, no. Because oh. they got divorced, and then she got remarried. Okay, and like in Big Little Lies. Yes, just like that. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> um, her son, who, who's like young, I think he's like school age. He's like eight or nine. Okay, he looks like he's also a clone of his his father. Oh, it's very strange. Oh, weird. Okay, strange. James. I didn't know that about. That. Anyway, Clone is great. Um, so I was much more moved by this movie than I was when I was a teen on rewatch. That's, that's very funny. (laughs) I just, I was, um, because I feel like their romance doesn't make any sense and how quickly they fall, both fall in love and are also like, I wasn't moved by their love. I was moved by like the deep sadness of Sebastian and Catherine. I was moved Uh, by him being like really duped by her. I mean, I will say the feelings I had when I was a teen Watching Reese Witherspoon go up the escalator. Oh my god! While Counting Crows' "Colorblind" is playing, gave me the same feelings, the la- like last week when I watched this, as they did when I was a teenager. Yeah, I was just full, like, like truly, my heart was like in my stomach. I know, it's a timeless scene. Um. Also, like I feel like I have a really clear vision of what Sarah Michelle Gellar is as a celebrity in my mind, and so watching this movie felt so detached from that. First of all. I I always forget she's a brunette in this movie. How do you Like when that? I think back about it, she's a blonde in this movie because she's just a blonde in her life. Oh, but so I know funny. she's not. And her spiel where she's like, I'm the Marsha fucking Brady of the Upper East Side. That is just like the whole movie kinda like hinges on that on that like moment of complete un- insanity yeah. of hers. Um cause Cause you never you never see her being a Marsha Brady. You only see her being the conniving Catherine, right? But in that, you clearly get a glimpse of like, oh, she must have to put on quite a two face, because there's no way she could be as popular as she is if if she was just her real self, right? So her real that's self is the word. right? So that's really interesting, and I, even like the details of like the cocaine rosary, all of that shit was just like, um, talking about too young to see this movie. I'm just like. Huh, what is that? Yeah. Like it took me like many years to be like, oh, it's Coke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were just so many things I noticed. I noticed drugs way more this time around. That which is just uh, I don't know. So this was a movie that was on cable a lot. So yes. I think it was. I think it's one of those things that it was like highly edited. Mm, that makes sense. I'm not uh, watching I it mean, on. We had time. It on VHS. So oh, excuse me. We watched the unedited. Mm-hmm. Woo! We also saw Cruel Intentions too. Who's in that? I. D- I can't, eat. another, like, guy from Dawson's Creek, the guy that dates Joey in college. Mm, not coming too. to me. And whatever. It's not good. It's actually, like, softcore porn. It's, like, a, it's really poorly that. acted did, and it's, like, mostly just sex scenes. I I was very confused. I was just, like, this isn't good. Like, this is just, no. Yeah. Yeah. Full cool yeah. tensions is good. And I loved every single thing Catherine wore. I know the '90s are back in fashion, regardless, but she just looked really chic. In she every was wearing single. a dress at one point that my sister had like ordered online, and it didn't fit her, so she like gave it to me, and it also didn't fit me. But I was like, "Oh, I tried that dress on last year. Yeah, like it was like yeah." Is it the yeah. silk one? The mm, it's not silk. It's like it's like got the spaghetti straps, and it's got like. Flowers and then it kind yeah, of has yeah, like yeah. the up. Yeah, is that the silk one? You're doing yeah, now? It's, okay. she's looking at it in the store, and then you see her in the next scene, and oh, she's bought it. She's like, put, put it together. on because she owns everything. All right, why don't you talk about Mean Girls? Ooh, yeah. I yeah, I get it because... Oh wait, I'll talk because I see that you're gonna feed feed into mine. So I realize when I put the movie on, I can't really tell you like scene for scene the progression of this movie. Like all of it's kind of a jumble in my mind. I think because I've seen it many times, but not like you know, in, in, in many years. I do think that I know most lines of this movie. Yes. Like, I was saying them along with people, and that was really weird because that ha- that is not an experience that's, like, um, I didn't seek that out. Right. I, didn't, I didn't try to do that. It's yeah. just, like, I know every joke and yeah. how it's going to hit. Um, And like I said earlier, it was really insane to, like, know that 30 Rock and Parks and Rec hadn't happened yet and that this movie came out because it is kind of, like, you get it it's that is her humor 100 um and I would also really like to call out Tim Meadows in this yes. great performance incredible especially in the office and assembly scene and now that I'm an adult woman I was quite attracted to him with his shirt off I was like oh Tim Meadows you're so handsome <laughs> uh, Aaron Samuel's too. oh my gosh that's um amazing. but his humor and like he definitely has a few on on purpose jokes, but but he kind of occupies the scene as like the straight man, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing because he's just like he's a black man with these hysterical women around him, just like complaining about really stupid shit for like a good ten minute scene, like fifteen when you time the the assembly, yeah. and he's just like like he is wearing the fatigue. That makes this so funny. Yes. He, I had the same notes. I've seen this movie over a dozen times in theaters, on TV, on planes, on de- like I. This is definitely comfort food movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, his lines are the only ones beside Glenn Coco that I was literally laughing out loud. The, he, they're his delivery and the timing, the like Anthony one. The Anthony one was amazing. The <laughs> one I laughed at the hardest this time was when. Katie is giving her homecoming queen speech, and he's like, you don't have to give a speech. I'm serious. Speech is not required. Most people just take the crown and walk off. It was like the peak of the movie, right? It's, it's the climax of the film, and he just, like, record scratches, like, you don't have, you don't have to talk at same Well, and it's <laughs> such a, I mean, it's such a Tina Fey yes. writing, because yes. it's like, it's like, oh, here's what would happen in every yeah, other Tina exactly. movie it's like, this grandiose feature, like, this would never happen. Never. Uh, most people <laughs> just take the crown and walk off, like, <laughs> it, it was perfect, um, it was, no, it was, it's a note for note, perfect comedy, yeah, for me, like, yeah. It's great. It's great, um, and I also loved. I just think I love that this takes place in the Chicago suburbs because I think they nailed Midwestern odds fashion. I'm shaking my head because I think that they nailed. Like I wore a lot of these outfits, like the polo shirts, the sweaters with the like, um, like a like a button down underneath the the tiered skirts. Like this the movie, tiered was skirts with the like. The pink graphic the with gra- a tank underneath? The graphic t-shirt. With a cardigan? And, yeah. Like, but I had an entire wardrobe of this for, okay. like, three years. But I'm saying, and I grew up, I'm a coastie. Interesting. Okay, so maybe it's not Midwestern, but it was definitely what people were wearing. And it's horrifying to look back and oh be like, goodness. this is what's memorable." I know film. People, I know girls that had the a little bit dramatic, like, Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirt. At some point when they're, like, running through the school, someone's wearing these, like, they're like, like not running through the school, but it's like classes are changing. And there was just this pair of like cargo pants in the background yes. that was so bad. Yes. And I was like, damn. The fact that that, that like a costume designer picked that out on purpose, and that now, 15 years later, I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, yikes. Like, what an of a moment Dang. Please God, let those net styles never come it's, back. It's very, it's really funny, especially watching like *Cruel Intentions* and seeing like how chic everyone looks, and then so watching chic. this, and it's like, oh god, <laughs> like, it was rough. It was a lot of pink, like a lot of pink. Oh. Tiffany's necklaces. Oh god. Oh, the floating necklaces, where it's like a like fishing so- line. <laughs> yeah, I have those. <laughs> so you got oh, what are they call like illusion necklaces? I think yeah, yeah. You're right. I sold them with the limited. Um okay. I think we're in agreement that these are great teen movies. Oh, 100%. And something that I think, you know, life and I got to a point in our first season where um a lot of our episode like our, we kind of left the the main themes of teen down and we got into some more indie films, we got into some really bad films. And so this felt like a great return to like great teen movies. They're all around the 90 minute mark. They all have humor in them, which is, like, really crucial. Yeah. um, I think for a good team movie, otherwise yes. you kind of want to gouge your eyes out as, like, Absolutely. a 30-year-old. Um, But I think the, also the interesting thing is, like, the way that they're all structured, and I know that this feels like super basic screenwriting, but they all have these central characters who are in this central conflict. Then they all have fleshed out second-tier characters. Yeah. Heather is less so. Most of their second-tier characters are, like, the football players or, like, the unpopular girls or things like that. But those are, they're still, you know, key, yeah. key players. I'd say they're more fleshed out in cruel Intentions and Mean Girls. Yeah. But then there's a scene in every, each one of them where there's this, like, Greek chorus of judgment and it's like, you know that these people are bitches, you know that they don't really, and they say that they are better than everybody else. Yeah. And then they have to face this, like, physical wall of peers, essentially, who are judging them and they all kind of register how that feels, like, that felt like a really good return to teen movie moment. Totally. And I was, I loved how different all these movies are. Like, they're not, they're all tonally so different. So different. Like, costumes, settings, like, everything is different. But they have one universal truth, and that is that teenage girls are fucking terrifying. (laughs) They are, like, the most terrifying villains because they are real and they can destroy people's lives. Like, I was, I left all of these movies being like, wow, like, it's crazy that women aren't in control. Because the things that they can do with just their words and, like, some slight manipulation is pretty incredible. So, we're going to talk about most true-to-life teen moment. Why don't you start? I'll start. So, most of my true-to-life, which makes sense because, um, Heather's and Cruel Intentions are both not supposed to be true to life they're both like a little absurd so all of my true teen life moments are from mean girls um i thought katie's parents were super relatable just these like academics who are not familiar with social hierarchies in in high school and like what they're they're, you know they used to homeschooling her in africa like they're kind of like just raise yourself like you know what to do like you're a smart kid you have you know we taught you well just go be normal and they just have no idea what's going on with Katie's mm-hmm. life and her, like, inner turmoil and her social life and how insane everything is. So I really related to that. My parents were, like, told, I shouldn't say checked out. I should just say that they were, like, uninterested in, in school drama. And they were just, like, you can handle it. Like, you, my brother and I, like, just, we just, like, raised ourselves. Like, my parents were never, like, what's the 411? Like. Who are you dating? My parents are just like, cool. Uh, I also very much related to Katie's house party that she had while her parents were away because she very innocently was like, do I have enough food for eight people? No, specifically cheese and crackers. Oh, do (laughs) I have enough cheese and crackers for eight people? Which I think is a sentence I also said the night I had a crazy house party without intending to. Like, my parents were out of town. Uh, I invited some friends over. I think literally eight people were supposed to come. And then a like, word got around, and there were, like, a hundred people in my this house. This provides a lot of context as to why you're worried about there being enough food when you invite, like, me and Matt. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also, the way, I was, the way our house was, if you were on the third floor, you couldn't hear anything below you. Right. So, I was literally on the third floor with eight of my friends, like, smoking weed and watching movies. Lion like, King. Wasn't
1: uh, that your
0: favorite to watch Jones? No, I really liked Emperor's New Groove okay. and um, Hercules. Um, and, and there was like, an entire party going on below me that I had no idea about. I like literally left the third floor to go downstairs and was like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I can definitely relate to that. But also, like Katie, I was not grounded because my parents didn't know what grounded was. <laughs> I was never really grounded either, but I also never really had praise. And lastly, I definitely related to the important social currency that is candy cane grams, because my high school had singing valentines, where the choir put on, like, a fundraiser where you could buy singing valentines for people in your classes, and the choir students would go around all day, like, different factions with different songs, and sing to people. And... It was both the best day of school and the worst day. It was the best because every single class was interrupted by a song. But it was also the worst day because, A, you were always, like, at least I was, like, fearful that you would both get one and not get one. Because, like, you didn't want to be, because you were brought up to the front of the class and people would sing to you. I can tell you quite, quite sincerely that I would have known that I was not getting one. Okay, so I never, I... I never got one that like someone like bought one for me. Mm-hmm. However, my brother one year, like sang to me, like he and his his. That's even more embarrassing. No, it was wonderful because oh, okay. they, they he made a special song for me. He sang my favorite Weezer song with his friend Peter, and they like, just... and it was very cool because my brother was very cool, and I was just a sophomore. Kai is technically the star of this podcast. Yeah. So he was a senior, and I was a sophomore, and everyone thought he was so cool. So the fact that he came into my... No, Kai was and is so... I don't even know Kai that well. Yeah, no, I've met Kai like <laughs> three times. <laughs> but that was like one of the most special moments of high school, because my brother walks in to my history class, and everyone is like, oh my god, it's Kai Kennedy and Peter Tuton, like the coolest guys in school, and they have their guitars, and he was like, uh, Blythe, we're gonna sing you a song, and I was like, oh my god. And they sang this amazing Weezer song... You gave your love to me softly, and it was amazing, and I love it. I love you, Kai. But I will never forget the day that an acapella men's, sorry, boys' choir came into my um, Latin class and sang to my Latin teacher. And again, you're not, you don't know like what choir is going to be assigned to who. It's kind of like random. So this group of five high school boys saying your body is a wonderland to my latin teacher who's a man who was a woman oh oh, oh. but a priest pretty staunch lesbian um and it was so uncomfortable and i have like never oh wow then, i have not experienced that level of awkwardness that's the definition of secondhand embarrassment oh my god it really was one of my best friends from high school says that the definition of secondhand embarrassment is watching Timber like beatbox mm-hmm um but this this is very. This is very similar. So like, but it was always a fun day and it was also a terrifying day because you never knew like, oh my god, who's gonna get one? Like, who's gonna send someone one? Because it would say like, Aaron, this is from your boyfriend Matt. Like, and I would absolutely under no circumstances do that. Right. But I thought it was so cool. Okay, buckle up. Okay, buckley is, up. This is honestly the most. Did they say that you buckley up?
1: Mm-mm. You started. I'm gonna do.
0: That's the thing that we're doing now. Okay. I'm gonna take a sip of water. I have to put my cheekbones down I'm smiling so much this is intense I hope I haven't overhyped it so I I didn't um (laughs) (laughs) I just remember the story (laughs) I didn't overhype it so I've explained this before I was not popular I didn't really have any conflicts with people in high school like I just kind of asserted my opinion and went on my way and lived in a very kind of Ice like, I I lived in a bubble in college a little bit in high school. Yes. No, definitely not in college. In high school. Um, but some of my really good friends were definitely more popular than I was. Um, a lot of my friends were athletes and, like, there were a lot of popular athletes. So, I pretty much knew everything that was going on at all times because of this, which was great. It was really great because you could, like, exist outside of it and also hear the dirt. So, my school had, uh, actually, my school ended up having pretty good athletics teams, but they didn't really have that much school spirit. So, they started to have school spirit weeks, and my senior, my junior year, at the beginning of the week, I don't know, there were, like, all these different things that you had to do each day. And Pajama so, day. Right. Yeah. Color day. Yeah. So on color day, the gen- the senior girls, the, the group of popular senior girls who were much, much nicer and smarter and more established humans than the popular junior girls who were like kind of skanky, um, I don't care if any of them hear this, um, so they, I don't think they would, but they, like someone slept with someone's boyfriend at a party like a few weeks prior. A junior girl slept with like a senior girl's boyfriend. And so the junior girls wrote some sort of, like, word scrabble that on their shirts, the senior girls, that said, fuck you, juniors. Mm. And so the juniors were, like, really pissed. And then on Thursday, there was, like, set up for a prep, a pep rally that was supposed to be the next day. And apparently, the junior girls had put up um, a bit of a racist slur in one of the, their signs. Your face right now is, like, you're getting where I'm going. Oh, my God. So, I think it came down. I don't I don't really know the details. I'm literally right. on the edge of my seat. But, um, then no one could really, like, trace who that went back to. And, like, all these girls just kind of, like, getting in, like, kind of like screaming matches like in between classes like a few and a few but there were like essentially a group of like 15 senior girls against maybe like 10 actually 10 junior girls but then like some ancillary friends so everyone knows that this is going on like like in the whole school and it's just like oh this is ridiculous and like wow i can't believe that so-and-so said that and blah 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 but like no one's particularly bothered by this it's just kind of like oh, of course this is happening. Let's, like, you know, whatever. So, um, on Friday, the day of the afternoon pep rally, or maybe it was Thursday. I think it was Friday, though. I think it was the day of the pep rally. Um, We had, like, a big class block in the middle of the day. You would have, like, a 50-minute class, then you'd have, like, a two-hour class, and then you'd have a Jesus. class. I know. Then oh you'd have God. a class that was, like, segmented so you would like go to the first half of it then you go to lunch then you go to the second half that's crazy it was not great i mean whatever so the loudspeaker comes on at the end of the long period like the, the the two-hour period and it's like at the conclusion of c block it was like called c block i don't i i remember this also my my principal is an important detail in this she was an incredibly petite woman with an incredibly nasally voice And she wore incredibly 80s outfits year-round. Like, long pleated skirts, blazers with shoulder pads, short, black, curly hair. She comes on the announcement. And mind you, like, everyone knows that there's been drama, but no one knows really anything. Mm -hmm. I was in Chorus, which was a great place to be because it was, like, a more relaxed environment. And so I'm in Chorus, and this announcement comes on and it's like out of nowhere it's like mid period there's probably like 10 15 minutes left and the principal says at the conclusion of C block all senior and junior girls must report to the auditorium immediately oh my god and like i we all sat straight up in our chairs and we're like bring it on like wait so are you a junior girl this i'm point? a junior girl at this point oh my god It's 2007, so Mean Girls has been out for three years. Oh my god. And we're like, what's it gonna be? This is gonna be great. We walk in. At the front of the auditorium is my principal. The two vice principals. Actually, no. Only one vice principal, because we had a male and a female vice principal, and it was only the female vice principal. I don't know why they only allowed women in this auditorium, but they only allowed women in this. This auditorium. This is literally from Mean Girls. Yep. There were police officers there. Wow. And so she goes on this whole spiel about Situate High School is supposed to be this place of inclusion and diversity. There's absolutely nothing diverse about Situate High School. Inclusion, I I hope that they've made strides towards it, but whatever. You know, this spiel, like we have this anti-bullying campaign and all this stuff. And like Livestrong bracelets were a really big thing back then, like you know, like or like those rubber cause bands. Sure. And there was something that was like there was something on it about anti-bullying on hers. And so at one point during her speech, she punches her fist up in the air and then just like holds it there, like to demonstrate that we stand oh, yeah, for anti-bullying. God. She was like five foot two, and she's like, and all of this is going on, and I find out that earlier this week. The senior class perpetrated against the junior class a hate crime. And everyone's like, what? What? What is this hate crime? So apparently the t-shirts, the fuck you juniors t-shirts, were considered a hate crime. You're kidding me. Uh, No, I'm not kidding you. And so everyone is like, I'll never forget I was sitting behind this girl who I was like friends with. Not close friends with, but friends with. Like, I'm sitting with all people that I know. And the girl in front of me, um, this girl Tess, she was laughing so hard. And she was really petite too. She had slid down in her chair. And I just remember her auditorium chair was like rattling because she, she was, was laughing, laughing so hard. hard. So then wow. she's like, I didn't realize that junior girls were an underrepresented class. No, me <laughs> so then she's like, What would you? And meanwhile, we walked into this. Like, I was, I skipped into this auditorium. I was like, my life is so boring. This is going to be amazing. Oh, my God. And j- all of my guy friends are like, tell me what happens after you come out. Like, people are, like, <laughs> so upset that they can't be in this. So, my, no. by the time I got home, I'm not even telling the story yet. By the time I got home, my sister, who was in the middle school at that point, had heard what happened and was like, "Wow, what happened today? Oh, my God. So... Donna Nezzo decides that after she's said that there's this hate crime going on. So Donna Nezzo, who does not understand what a hate crime is. Correct. Um, She decides to open it up to, well, first of all, she says that, like, the police are here because this has clearly become an unsafe space and we need to properly investigate it. And then she goes on to say, I'd like to open up the floor to you. She fully Tina Fey and was like, what do you guys think? Would make, it, would make things good between junior and senior girls. Did you guys say anything? There were a few suggestions. Such as? Uh, one senior girl goes... Stop a, being grotsky no, bitches. No, no. <laughs> no. So both of these senior girls who said something were, like, either a part of the t-shirt situation or very good friends with the t-shirt situation. And so one of the senior girls goes... Um, maybe, like, once a month we can, like, you know, have, because seniors have their own cafeteria, so it was, like, maybe, like, once a month, like, we can sit in the regular cafeteria, and I was, like, okay, thank you, and then the <laughs> next suggestion was, like, maybe we should have, and this girl was so, she was a really nice girl, she was, like, maybe we should have a pizza party. Oh, God. Oh, God, the pizza party. She was ex- an exceptionally beautiful person, too, and oh so it no. was just, like, okay. And then there were a few more suggestions, like nothing no one was like stop screwing my boyfriend, but there were like a few more suggestions, and then this girl who was in my grade, who was like a little goth, a little tough, stood up and she just goes, "I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I have no idea why we are here. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> and I'd really like to go eat lunch." <laughs> Oh, my God, shout out to that girl, wherever she is. <laughs> and, at this shit. point, like, there have been, like, these stupid suggestions, moments of extremely painful silence, and then all of a sudden this girl stands up and it's like, why am I here? Oh, my God, that's amazing. So that was it. I had a Mean Girls assembly in my, um... Was anything done? Were there any, like... The girls had to make an apology in front of the entire school. Shut up. For their hate crimes. For their hate crime. Uh-huh. Wait, meanwhile, wasn't there an actual yes. racial? Yes. Yeah, they, they, quote unquote investigated it, but like they couldn't figure out who did it. That sign yes. mysteriously did disappeared. Wow, Massachusetts is a weird place. Holy um, shit. I do. I mean, nothing like that. I mean, I remember our class. There was an incident in a women like women's studies was like a very popular class to take for. When And I never, I didn't take it, but a bunch of people took it. And apparently there was, like, a pretty intense discussion that broke out during the women's studies class about, like, some girls said, like, we don't have cliques at the school. And other girls were like, shut the fuck up. Like, that's only something that a popular girl would say. And then there was, like, a very intense, and it, like, went on for, like, a week. And Miss Bernstein, who was our women's studies teacher, was, like, I think she's like, saw an opportunity to, like, stop, like, girl and girl crime, and she was, like... We're going to talk about this. And it's going to be intense. I just remember, similarly to you, being like, give me all the goss. Like, I want to know what happens. Like, that sounds super intense. I don't – I'm not in that class. Kind of wish I was. Like, sounds like it, you know, was – it seemed like a lot of girls who had thought that they were, quote, unquote, like, like not mean girls, like – just, like, nice girls and, like, Mm -hmm. never thought of themselves as particularly popular were basically told, like, actually, you've been super rude to me my entire high school career. There was a girl in my grade, there was a girl in my grade, um, who, she had a lot of, she, I never had a fight with her, she had, she had a few fights with some of my friends, she had a lot, she had, she was always in a conflict, she was, like, constantly in a conflict, and, um, she was pretty, standardly pretty, and smart-ish, and she would say things like, I don't think that we have any bullying or problems right. or conflicts here, and it would be like, almost just, and you like, like, who is like, personally victimized by her cheating One thousand percent, and the thing is, is like, I, I, in some ways, I felt personally victimized by her because she wouldn't shut up, like, she'd be like, did you hear what so-and-so did to me? And I was like, oh my god, I really wish I wasn't sitting next to you, or someone else would complain about, it. she was, she was a nightmare. Anyway. So that's, uh, that's my most true-life moment. That's why. Because I had a full Mean Girls And, and I, I remember, like, I am I just got through it, but, like, there, for, like, many years I would tell a story and I would laugh so hard I'd cry. Like, when I told my mom, like, when I got home was, like, eating dinner at night with my mom and my sister, I was, like, laughing so hard I was crying. That, that's incredible. I, w- I like to think that I I would be that goth girl, but, yeah, you know, who knows.
1: I really appreciate That's incredible.
0: Um, She likes, she likes... Um, you know, in Mean Girls, where she's like, they're like, you don't even go here. Like, yeah. she's self identified. Like, yeah. I don't even belong here. Yeah, I this. don't want <laughs> to be here. That's incredible. All right, moving along. Uh, what's your least true to teen life I moment? really couldn't think of one because I think Mean Girls just obviously, as you just illustrated, does too good a job of reflecting actual teen life. Oh, yeah. So, And then Cruel Intentions and Heather's, they're just like, they're just absurd movies by their nature. They're not meant to be relatable. So I didn't really have one. Do you have one? Um, For Least True to Life, I, de- I said that all the whole murder plot and others. Right. Like, obviously. Yeah. But then also I'd really like to talk about Sebastian as an Upper East Side teen mm-hmm. who drives on the Long Island Expressway without traffic. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> That's incorrect. Um Yeah. So that, like, when the movie opens and it's, like, going over whatever that famous graveyard is and then it, like, pans up, I'm like, oh my god. God. Either nineteen ninety nine in New York was desolate. Which right. I'm sure it was not, wasn't. Yeah. So wait, well same with Annette when she's driving the car away. She I know. No traffic. No traffic. That's a that's a boring New York Annette anyway. Matt would have like punch the TV. Oh, he would have been sure. like, I'd kill see those roads. <laughs> <laughs> um what do you think is the best get out of my room award for best expression of teen angst? I said Annette and Sebastian's breakup because it yeah. is just First of all, it it's hard to feel it sincerely because they spent so little time together. I you're, know. you're like, "Why are you guys? Why is this such a big deal?" Like you've been dating for like 2 because weeks. Because they changed I know, I know. I know. I know. I know. So I, but so so it's accept, like Bachelor in Paradise. It's like Romeo and Juliet. Like oh, okay. accepting that these feelings that you felt so strongly for such a brief amount of time can be that important that you have this super emotional breakup, super angsty breakup. Yeah, I mean, you got a you got a little emotional about it. Oh yeah. So that's that was one of my best. Yeah. ones. I also thought that Heather's journal entries were really really great. Yeah, what there's that podcast that's like, uh, I think it's called Mortified. Oh yeah, yeah, where people read their diaries. My friend Rachel read her diary. Oh no way! Yes. I wonder if you heard it. Do you listen to it regularly? I listen to it when I need like a long bus ride or something. It's great. Shout out to my friend Rachel. She did a Mortified podcast, and it was fucking dope. I'll have to listen to it. You have to send it to me. Yeah, um, but just like listening to Heather talk about her like narrate that that angst was like yeah i feel that we have a stalker training award. award goes to rachel mcadams however i will it will point out that sean patrick thomas was also in this film and he would have been about 30 oh interesting yeah but he he technically i think he played an, a college student so it's not as crazy yeah he was at juilliard and i'm pretty sure he was meant to be older than yeah, he's, so, like, working on So that right. isn't as crazy to, like... Okay, so we don't have a Peter Fastinelli Award. I don't think so, because the, none of these...
1: Yeah, I, I don't think
0: so. Yeah. Mm-mm. I guess I'm, this is kind of like the Dion Waiters Award on Watchables, where I, like, don't entirely understand what the Peter Fastinelli Award is. It's when you reap <laughs> her as a, as a parent later on. That's when you play a heartthrob in your... Right. Okay, so... If we were talking about Stranger Things, we would give Winona Ryder oh. the Peter Facinelli award. I think we should. I actually think we can give Winona oh. the Peter Fasnalli award. Okay. Winona gets it. Winona gets it. Okay. Cool. All right. What's the superlatives? Do, yeah, we're not gonna do fuck Mary Kill because it's just like we felt like it was Slim Pickens. Yeah, I'm not. We all would have picked Tim Meadows. <laughs> just me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he also looks so young in this movie compared to yeah. what he looks like now. That I was like, young Tim Meadows. <laughs> Wow, Aaron, I did not, I did not see you as a, a girl after a young Tim Meadows. I like it. I definitely would have been that deadpan. Oh no,
1: that's incredible. My, that's my
0: uh, yes, love. That is your thing. Yeah, huh. I definitely. Uh, yeah, I feel you on that for sure. He's a handsome man. He's very handsome. Uh, we're okay. So we're gonna do some superlatives. <laughs> we have quite a few, which is fun, and some, and we don't agree. Yeah. So best style. So I said that Veronica had the best style. And I said Catherine. That's not. That's fine. That that's make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And best burn. So my favorite, I actually, this was a, yours, I just read yours was a quick runner for me. When um, Shannon Doherty's Heather is going to throw up after lunch, the queen Heather says, grow up Heather, believe me, is so 87. Which is a great one. The Heather's really had some amazing little clips. Like, they were just so good. Uh, my favorite was when Regina George is trying on her spring fling dress at what the store's called 137. 137. Or 135? One, 357. Five? Five, no, it doesn't go up to 7. 135. 135. Yeah. Okay. So the idea behind the store is that they only have sizes 1, 3, and 5. Um. So Regina George has been eating these calcium bars, which have made her gain weight unbeknownst to her and so she can't fit into the five, size five and she turns Karen turns the sales lady who's this chic woman in black who looks like all the scary women that work at galleries in New York and she's like can we get this in that larger size and she's like I'm sorry we only sell one three size one three and five maybe you should try sears like <laughs> burn to sears thick burn um yeah, I definitely felt that in my core. Having someone at the mall tell you to go somewhere else in the mall is a real, real burn. When was the last time you were at a mall? Oh, God. Uh, does Energy city count as a mall? No. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, and then the last time I was in Madison? the mall needs, like, a Claire's and an Orange Julius. Oh, okay. Yeah, for, like, Madison. I mall. Okay. Cool. Um, Who do you think is the best... I said Janice and Damien, like, two big, yeah. they, they're the best friends to each other, mm-hmm. and also, like, mm-hmm. to oh, Katie. Oh, that brings me back to my, sorry, my rap, my other teen angst moment was when Janice really puts Katie in her place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're a mean girl, you, you blew did, you me off. like them. Yeah. yeah. That, like, I remember thinking that that was a good, you know, burn, not a good, a good burn, but, like, a good yeah. moment yeah. when I was younger, and now I'm like, Man, Janice was really articulate with her teen feelings there. It was excellent, and it was definitely because you knew Katie was doing bad things, but you couldn't really, like, quite, like, figure out why. Right. And that was, she was like, I invited you to this thing, and it was really important to me, and you lied to me and said you couldn't come, and then you had a party, and it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Totally. janice and forever. Um, yeah. I think we can decide that Janice is the best friend. Worst parent. You had Christine Moran. Yeah. Movie. Okay. Um, I think she's a terrible parent. Yeah, I mean, she's like a... She's like a racist classist. She's like a, a waspy bitch. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. In the context of this film, like... I guess you're right. You Catherine know, Catherine like, and Sebastian's parents are pretty dirty. They're awful. Awful people. I mean, they're all awful. All of the adults in Cruel Intentions are awful, awful people. Yeah. The therapist that Sebastian meets she's is awful. Hurts. With a... Great cameo from Tara Reed, by the way. I know. <laughs> you know, so when I was rewatching, it, I was like, she's not in this movie. And then no. I was like, no, that's Tara yeah, Reed. that was wild. So, I don't know. Mm, another teen girl that Matt registers. I shouldn't say teen girl. Another celebrity from our teen years that Matt can voice. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Good semantics there. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I agree. Chrissy Moransky is, like, she's not ideal, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like Catherine Sebastian's Pretty worse. bad. I mean they're they're so bad they're not on screen because they're off doing such bad things. And best worst parent is obviously Amy Polar. That that's an iconic role. And icon- so iconic that Chris Jenner acted it out yeah. in a music video fifteen years after yeah. No, I'm sorry. Nope, I'm not oh, sorry. You're good. Fifteen. Oh, my God. What All of a sudden, you? I thought I was doing math on the wrong movie. But no, Mean Girls has been out for 15 yeah, years. I have this meltdown at the end of every podcast because I've, like, had a glass of wine. And I do the math. And I realize that I am almost 30 years old. And these movies that came out when I was a teenager means that that happened. Yeah. Okay. Moving along. You okay? okay. Okay. You know that they she put a hot dog wiener in her bra to get the dog to chew on her... Nipple in the movie. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Can't you just imagine Amy, yeah, absolutely. just like, like stuffing it in there? It's another day of the office. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's sick. I love it. Uh, Yeah, she's amazing. Her, like, from her jumpsuits to her, like. I'm a cool mom. Uh, you guys came so young. Wait, you know what cracked me up that I don't really think I picked up on in the, the, the first couple times I've watched? Uh, mean Girls, is the fact that she goes to the spring fling and pose, I mean, I know she poses in the back of the photos, but she's, like, wearing a spring fling dress. Like, that's, yes. like, I, I yes. howled watching that yes. again. No, she's incredible. You have biggest I, flirt. I have here. biggest flirt, and I said Sebastian because he, like, really works at it. Oh, he is so I didn't bad mean, at flirting. I didn't mean the most natural flirt. I just said the biggest flirt. Okay. I guess, but, like, is he flirting or is he just, like... Forcing so his saying, will on people. Yeah, that's, I mean, it wouldn't. I don't think it would really work on. I don't think that style would really work on me. But that's not the style he tried on a net. He's like, you could be a model. I would love to photograph you. And then he's like a whiny little bitcher on the net. Like that's his yeah. like. What are you doing? Do I have my glasses there? Ugh, like he's so. The whole move was pretty s- smooth. When he is naked and he's like. When he's like mind? only when she's like you're playing music all over the house and he's. He he seemed like whiny little bitch to me. Uh, Biggest flirt. I mean, Regina was like, oh yeah, all up in Aaron's animal. Very, very, very good. Good flirting technique. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's so believable. She really. She's incredible. I feel like I know that girl, and I'm terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who has the most deserved comeuppance? So I think Catherine, and then had the best comeuppance because everyone else either dies or gets hit by buses and that feels really extreme. But I also think the best, like, transition comeuppance is Regina Jones becoming a lacrosse player. Yeah, Like, that's great. That was an amazing ending. Like, Gretchen Wieners joining the hot Asians and... Mm. Didn't age well. That didn't age well. Well, I mean, no. I mean, it, but it was like a... I'm saying, like, at the end of the movie that's what happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, Gretchen Wieners joins the hot Asians and and Karen. Regina George becomes a lacrosse player, which amazing. is like extremely amazing. On point. Who do you think is the queen of Queen Beast? I wrestled with this a lot because I just think Catherine is such a master manipulator mm-hmm. and she's so freaking terrifying. But I ha- I think it has to go to Regina George because she her subterfuge is not quite as explicit. It's a mm-hmm. lot more Sneaky, and she did, like, her three-way phone call. Have you ever been through a phone call? No. And, no, I haven't. And now it's not a, like, possible thing anymore. Right, right. But to, to the younger people listening to this, Chloe. Chloe. You... If, <laughs> there was a time when you could, with your landline, landline. phones, do three-way calling where... Of course, I'm sorry, Chloe, if you already know this, I'm not trying to speak down to you. But where you could, like... Call someone and then do a three-way call but not tell someone that they were on a three-way yeah. call and basically talk shit about them or, like, le- basically allow someone else to hang themselves. Well, I've been on a three-way call but, like, for, like, planning for, per- like... Well, no, I've been on yeah. th- I've been on really fun three-way calls. with oh, yeah. friends Where it was, like, we're watching Dawson's Creek but we're at our own home Aww. so we're all talking about it. Yeah. But I was never on one where it was, like, so what do you think right. about Aaron? Right. And Aaron would be, like... And you know why, I ble- do you know why? I, ble- I was never on those calls. It's because I told people exactly what I fucking thought of them, and that was that's what I mean by like I was completely. Unfiltered. Good for you, um, high school Erin sounds like a fucking badass. She was great. She was also really judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so Regina George is, is my pick because she did everything. Like Catherine got caught in a very, yeah, like. She she whereas Regina George just went from like being a bitch to being a lacrosse player like she it. also kind of like plays the audience a little bit like yes. you're so like in Heather's you know that Heather's like insane yeah um in cruel intentions like she's the villain and yeah. Regina George is the villain but there's also like many scenes in which they talk about like like Katie's like even though I hated her I couldn't stop talking about her yeah right like. And Rachel McAdams is like so beautiful and so charismatic mm-hmm. on screen that like you, oh yeah, you're she, you're charmed by her too. Yeah. Like, and you, she made it seem effortless. Whereas it was so very obvious effortless. for Catherine that to be the like Marsha Brady, goody two shoes was very challenging right. for her. Whereas Regina was like, what? I could do this in my sleep. Like, this is nothing. Right. Like, let me call Planned Parenthood right <laughs> now. Oh my god. <laughs> And you know what, Regina George is probably the type of person who mellows out because they like get a hobby and then goes on to like be, become, become very successful a politician or like a CEO. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Prom king and queen. I oh wow, we had different ones. Mm-hmm. I my prom king was Sebastian, and my prom queen was Katie because she does win. Yeah. But also, I think that's a ba- I think Sebastian would be a good prom king because ultimately, like, so at the end of that movie, at the end of Coral Intentions, when they're at his funeral, and it, this is something that would have been very lost on me as a nine-year-old watching this movie, um, when they all run out to read the, the journal, the diary, like, it pans back to his knowing face, mm-hmm. and it's like, he did... Ultimately, he I mean he got the last word, but he had the sway over Catherine. Like people liked him. Yeah. People didn't trust him right. and they were like, you know, wary of his motivation. No, as but again, be, but because, people liked him. Because he was a man, uh, he was respected. Right. And like no one was he didn't have to use fear to get people to think of him as popular. Right. Like Catherine ruled by fear. Right. Where Sebastian was just like, I don't care if you like me or you don't like me, and people were like, That's cool. I thought that his charm, okay, so his charm wasn't in, like, when he was trying to be charming, but his charm was when he, like, was, like, uh, being clever in a funny way. Yes, he is very funny. Right, right. Like, he like was when they're at hysterical. the old folks' home, and he's, like, three rounds of vacuum, and you won every yeah. round, like, yeah.
1: um,
0: or, like, his, his, honestly, his, all, of his, both of his scenes with Joshua Jackson are very, very funny. So, I wanted to pick Joshua Jackson as my homecoming king, because... I again. You think a gay pot dealer in Montauk would probably win? Yes, no, hundred yeah, no, percent. I, I would please blonde hair for sure. Like, but he just had too little screen time. But I, I think he was in, like he would be my pick. I picked Aaron Samuels because he was like the dreamboat of of Mean Girls. But I would like to nominate Josh Jackson. Okay, Gregory. Truly amazing. Amazing. And his face when he says it? Yeah. Gregory? And then I chose Catherine because that girl is fucking terrifying and she would just like, you wouldn't, you couldn't not vote for her because she would find you and she would like sully your reputation. It's true. It's true. There's no way she wasn't homecoming queen every single year. It's true. She sucks. It (laughs) sucks. But I mean, way to go Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Oh, she's so good in it. Like, do you think that any of these movies should be remade? I would, I could entertain a Cruel Intentions remake, but I don't think it's necessary, A, because we have Gossip Girl, and B, Cruel Intentions is, you don't need, like, it's perfect. That's the only one I would consider, I think it would be really hard to make that movie again, I think it would be really hard to make that movie again right now and not have it either be super cheesy. Yeah. Or, like, kids. Because it's already pretty cheesy. Right. Yeah. But it's, like, it's got this, like, highbrow, lowbrow thing totally. going on. Totally. That is quite hard to do. Yeah. And it's especially hard to do when you're, like, going off of known. Yeah. You know. I agree. Um, thing. And I could just see it being, like, a really glossy, weird movie. Yeah. Or, or, or like, um. really, really dark and fucked up i like I don't want to. I don't want to see these people on the New York City subway. Like I, I do not. Right. Right. Um. Yeah. Okay. I don't, okay, don't want to I mean, see them calling Ubers. I don't want to. Yeah. 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 Um, I hear you. I like to keep I, that New York. I like to keep the '90s New York separate from my present New York, so that sure. when things happen, like a beautiful fall day, I can think about you've got mail. Aww, I can think about you know what I mean. Like great. I like to keep that 20 year like distance that. between our New York. I haven't watched it yet, and I think we should maybe do separate pod for this show but I, it sounds like euphoria is pretty i've decided that i don't want to watch euphoria because I, we went over this because i watched beautiful boy last year and that pretty much made me not want to have teenagers and then I, and then i saw euphoria and i was like uh, like, wait you I watched was, it no but oh, like you I, saw I, I heard, yeah and i yeah. was like no i don't want i i hear you i've heard that like zendaya is i've heard that like it seems as if to not watch this show is to essentially turn a blind eye to someone's talent who could, like, be with us for the next 50 years. Yeah. So for that reason, I feel compelled to it. I do think that it'll, like, maybe give me nightmares and, like, I feel like it's going to be, like, Black Mirror meets my, like, real-world anxieties. Interesting. Okay. Well, it sounds like based on the, like, issues with sex and politics and teenage emotions and drug usage, it might be the cruel intentions for a new generation. Totally. I mean, people are Love obsessed it. with it. Yeah, people are super into it. I saw a friend this weekend who I hadn't seen in a little bit, and I was asking her, like, what she's been watching and doing, and she was like, euphoria, like, yeah. euphoria, euphoria. Like, I was like, yeah. I haven't seen you in months, and that's the only thing. She's like, yeah, like, I really recommend it above well, people who are else. into it or are very into it, so consider it. I'll consider it. But. Which one do you think is the best team? Oh wait, uh, Mean Girls. They made a musical out of it. It won a bunch of Tonys. Like, cool. Yeah. That's that's cool. It Heathers cannot be remade. Heather's cannot be remade. Heather's can be remade. And Mean Girls, like it. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot that wouldn't. Mean Girls is going to become a period piece as well. Yes. And a lot of that is like, aside from the fashion, the technology, and like the lack of social media, and like. Just, the girls would be so much meaner now. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, like, um, it would just be a dizzying movie, I think. Yeah. So, I, I hope it stays there. Because now it feels like a very, like, simple, straightforward... No, because the problem with Mean Girls today is that everything would be on Instagram. Right. It would just be, like... It would be a movie of DMs. It would be vaping Instagram DMs. Like, that's it. Like, it would be... Nothing happens, at like face to face. Right, right. Which is the which is back to why Regina George is the queen queen bee. It's because she she, she says all this to people's faces. Like everything that Catherine does is like two faced and behind closed doors, and Regina George just says these horrible things to people with a smile on her face, and they walk away like oh you know what I mean right. like. Yeah, she has plausible deniability at every step of the way. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that there's a lot of people out there with technology that act like that. No. Um, do you have a best teen movie? I, I couldn't pick. I no. really, no. I couldn't. No, I mean, I think it would be between Mean Girls and Heathers. Like, I don't think Cruel Intentions is necessarily as exemplifies, like, teen life as well because it's just so specific to this, like, New York prep school whereas Heather's and Mean Girls yeah. seem as much more universal. So, but but I can't <laughs> pick the two. Yeah. They're just so different and they both are so canonical. And and I also think that, you know, with me saying that Mean Girls was, like, you know, when I was in middle school, I think that each of these movies, like, landed really hard for each generation that it landed for, like, each generation that it was in theaters with. But I also think that teen, like, I think that it, it's a, un, they're all universal teen movies. So it's yeah. not as if I watch Heathers and think like, oh, I can't relate to this. And I don't think that people, I think Mean Girls is still pretty popular with the youths. I was, I mean, again, Ariok Grande just made right. a music video referencing it. Right. So I think it's very much in the, the topic of discussion. Yeah, I mean I see memes every other day about. Mean I Girls. know well, and well that's a whole other thing. It's like how Mean Girls became internet culture. Yeah, that's a different podcast entirely. Oh okay, I mean I would say it's one of the most memed movies, along with like The Office and Friends or right. memed right. cultures. Yeah. So anywho, well it'll be interesting to see what streaming service Mean Girls ends up on when they... The great streaming wars are, are through. Oh, man. I'm already tired. But... Yes. We're back with, with regularity. I'm excited. I'm and happy to be back. School's do you know what else is session. back with regularity? Um, I believe the great sport of football. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm on the record for a few movies saying that there were too many sports. School ties, way too much football. Mm-hmm. Um, however... We're going to talk about football movies only. I'm very excited for this. I am a college football fan and now an NFL fan. Anyways, next week we'll be back to talk about football. Come back. Thank you for being with us. Bye.